You may be seated. Oh, how he loves, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves. This week I had the chance to, um, to make an emergency trip home. And I was there for just uh, a, a little bit over 24 hours uh, back in Dallas. And I was just looking. And when you walk around your mama house, one of the things you see is you see pictures from your past. And, and there on the wall, I saw my eighth grade prom picture. I said, man, I've been smooth all my life. <laughs> man. Right? And it's things like that. And, you just, and I, the deal is, I remember... The, the different obstacles and different things we had going on in the life of our family, how just me having this tux was such a big deal. I don't know how my mom pulled it off, right? Where I had this tux for my eighth grade prom, and I was sitting there, and I had this purple tux jacket, and I had the look. <laughs> and I, I was just like, man, I'm so thankful for my mom, right? I mean... We got to go to Papa Do's for dinner. I was so glad that she picked Papa Do's, right? And, um, and it was just a good time. And so uh, welcome. And if this is your first time at Fellowship High Crest, we, we are thankful that you're here. Happy Mother's Day to all of you ladies. Um, some of you are mothers by birth. Some of you through adoption and fostering, and some of you spiritually and emotionally, as you mentor and pour into the lives of others, you are mothers. And so we think that all ladies should be honored because of the contribution that you make to our society, right, and just to our our family um, as a body of Christ. I know, man, it it changes things so much having you um, be a part of us. When you just look back through history, from the very beginning and look at scriptures, at the contributions that, that women made to the movement. When you look at, at Jesus and the Gospels, women pretty much funded that ministry where they could go out and plant that first church. And so you are important. You're not lesser. You are important to the movement of God. If this is your first time here, as I speak today, you will see page numbers on the screen. And those page numbers correlate to the blue Bibles that are in your seat. If you don't have a Bible that is easy to read, um, please take that one as our gift to you. If you don't have one at all, please take that one as our gift to you. If you have somebody in your life that doesn't have a Bible, then please take it and give it to them as a gift from the both of us. If it would be better for you to read the scriptures from a Spanish version of the scriptures, if you will raise your hand, our ushers will get you on so that you can join us in the word of God for yourself. Um, today, uh, we are taking a break from our series Um, Nothing to Lose, which we did two weeks of, and we're taking a break for today. And then we'll be back on Nothing to Lose next week for two more more, um, weeks in that series. But today um, we're doing a standalone for Mother's Day called You Are Not Alone. And I want to be clear at the beginning here. This is not a message for ladies. This is not a a, uh, message for moms. But this is a message for everyone today. And so we'll be drawing that 
from uh, Genesis 16, um, page 10 is where we'll, we'll kind of camp out. And the story that we're kind of going into today really covers from Genesis 12 through uh, 21 or 16 through 21 that you see on your uh, programs that you were given while, while here. But in order to keep you from being here until Jesus comes back the second time, um, I won't try to cover all of those chapters in my allotted time. And so if you haven't already turned there, if you will turn to Genesis 16, page 10, and, and we're going to read there. Here's what it says. Now, Sarai, Abraham's, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms. Brothers, you know why I'm laughing. Um, But now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abram replied, look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to shore. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? What a question. I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son and you will name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. The son of yours will be a wild man as an untamed as a wild donkey. He will Raise his fists against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Therefore, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who has spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, I have truly seen the one who sees me. So that well was named Beer Lohairo, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Berit. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. This is God's word. After 65 years of doing life, Sarah's, or Sarah, which her name will later be transformed to, her husband received a promise from God. And because of how marriage works scripturally, when God made that promise to Abraham, he was not just making that promise to Abraham, but also to Sarah. 
God didn't just see a future and want a relationship with Abraham, but he also adored Sarah. In relation to God, Sarah submitted to her husband and supported his obedience to the call on their lives. This led Sarah to be put into some, to some tight spots. She lied for her husband. She protected her husband physically and his ego as well. She held down the house while her husband went off to war. She was a real ride or die. She was all that Beyonce hopes to be. (laughs) But Sarah dealt with her own fears and troubles. She had a promise, but Sarah also had a reality. Sarah had so much of what others would consider a success. She had popularity and a husband in power and material wealth and et cetera. But what Sarah did not have was a child. As Sarah struggled to be obedient to God and honoring to her husband, she dealt with infertility. And in her society, not being able to have children brought along a stigma with it. It undoubtedly caused someone who should have been the star of the party to pull back some and and to to withdraw because of what might have been said when she wasn't around. It undoubtedly caused um, relationship strain between her and her husband because she was unable to fulfill this longing that he had in, in a key part of the promise that had been made to him by God. She would have also naturally struggled in her relationship with God as she tried to reconcile the realities of what her life was versus the promise that was said. I mean, Sarah had even accepted a name change based on a promise that no one else had heard except for her. It would have been natural for Sarah to withdraw, so she did. She withdrew her trust in God and, and, and the promise and the unconditional love of her husband by intervening in the matter and giving her slave Hagar to her husband. Now, Hagar was a slave in in the household of Abraham and Sarah, and and she enjoyed the benefits of the promise through her relational connection with Abraham and Sarah. It was not the best relationship. It was not the healthiest connection, but there it was. Unfulfilled expectations caused Sarah to withdraw. She had gone 11 years without being able to deliver on what she thought was her part of the promise. It caused her to deal with the question of what is the true value of relationship? Hagar initially saw the benefits of a relationship as surely her life was better than many other slaves all around her because she lived in the household of the most prosperous leader in the area. But then she saw relationship provide some huge challenges So much so that she decided it was better for her and her child to die in the desert than to remain in that household of those relationships. Or any of you starting to identify. You don't have to be a mother or a female to identify with the facts that life is hard. Relationships are messy and missed expectations can cause you to question your will to go on in life or in the relationships that you're a part of. But here's what we see. In the stories of Hagar and Sarah, we see two things. First, we see that when Hagar despaired to the point of death, even though the original promise wasn't made to her, because of her relational connection to God, God spoke to Hagar and said, you are not alone. God is with you. 
I know it's dark. I know it seems bleak. I know that this is not the way you envision your life. I know that your experience might be causing you to question my existence, but let me reassure you that I am here. Fifteen years after the promise, Sarah thought this is a joke. Fifteen years of heartache and side eyes and household strife and social ridicule led her to think I've been a fool. I followed my husband, but there's no way a God in heaven exists and would allow me to go through this. But God assure her, I'm still here. How many of you need to hear that this morning? I'm still here. With all the stuff that you're going through, I'm still here. The other thing we see in each of their stories is that God tells them both that the way through whatever they're going through is relationship. So now I'm, I'm going to do something. I'm I'm going to stick a pin here, and I'm going to bring up three ladies from our body, from our family here at Fellowship High Crest. And we're going to have them share real-life stories of how relationship has been their way through. These three ladies are in different life stages with children. One has toddlers, one has a teen, and, and one is an empty nester. And they're going to share stories about how and why relationships matter no matter what your gender is. Would you welcome them up, please? All right, we're going to get everyone mic'd up here. All right. We'll go. Man, y'all are, y'all are, in, y'all are in order and everything. Good stuff. <laughs> See, this is what happens when, when you mess with ladies. I just want to let you know, fellas, this is what happens. All right. To get us going this morning, ladies, um, why don't you, we're going to go left or right here. Um, Why don't you tell us your name? Um, We're going to show a picture of your family. If you tell us who's in the picture and then the one word that describes your family at this time. (laughs) My name is Trisha Sublett. I'm married to this guy. And um, we have three kids, uh, twins that are four. That's Claudette and Silas. Silas is in the overalls. And then Toby is almost three. And the word that I picked to describe our season of life is movement, because not only are they always on the go, but I feel like it just as we start to adjust to a season, they grow into the next phase. So we're constantly changing and adapting to them. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Miranda. <laughs> I'm married to SJ. I have a daughter who's 15. She'll be 16 next month. My word is searching because I'm still trying to figure out what my spiritual gifts are and where he wants me to use those. And my name is Ann. Sometimes I'm known as the kitchen lady. Um, My husband is Mike. We've been married for 53 years. We have two grown daughters and um, seven grandchildren. And I am now a great-grandmother. And um, the word for my life right now is blessed. God has just been wonderful to me, and he's given me loving family, a great church family, 
and good health. I, he's just been awesome. That's good. All right. First question, um, what is God teaching you as a mother in this stage of life right now? What would y'all guys say that? You can just... Grace. Grace for my kids as I teach and reteach, but then he also started to show me how my kids are a perfect mirror of myself and how much God has to teach and reteach me, like the Israelites wandering in the desert, and he has so much grace for me, and I have to pass that on to my kids. Mm-hmm. I would say uh, patience, because I have a teen, um, trust, <laughs> sometimes that's hard to do, and then surrender, surrendering it all to him, and just mm-hmm. know that he's got it all worked out at the end. And for me, it's just to listen. My girls are older now, so they don't need mom's advice. They just need someone to listen to. But also, I think it's real important at my stage of life to lead by example, to uh, show God's love as much as I can so the grandchildren learn it from watching because you can't always have that opportunity to talk to them. Yeah. Um, Tricia, I'm going to ask you this. On on your most discouraging day, what helps keep you going and – and what's the story that might go along with that? What made it so discouraging? Nap time. Nap time <laughs> keeps me going. Not even kidding. Sometimes I just get um, over myself with uh, frustrations and kids scurrying around. And sometimes we all need a little restart. So a little bit of break where they can rest, I can rest, and I can also just pull back from the emotions and get proper perspective back in place and that them messing with that is not that big of a deal and it's maybe where I'm at as much as them needing a nap. Yeah. We're going to start off with Miranda on this one. Thank you. Nap time. Man. Um, I'm part of the way Christian because of nap time. Um, We're going to start with Miranda. Miranda, um, when have you felt most valued by the body of Christ? Actually, it was before I joined FBC Highcrest. We were invited to Trisha Sublet's birthday party. And so we met um, some people there that saw, you know, when we first joined here. So everybody just treated us like, you know, there was no strings attached when we went. It wasn't like, hey, come join our church. It was like, hey, come to this party. Um, so, you know, fast forward some months later, and here we are. And what about you? Well, you know, I've never really stopped to analyze, you know, how I feel about uh, being appreciated by the body of Christ, but I know how I feel about being appreciated by Christ. And any time I'm serving, I mean, I only work for an audience of one, and it's an indescribable feeling that when you give to others or help out, and that can be from anything when we lived in Simi Valley, I dusted the altar at church. You know, it was just, God, it was quiet in there. But just serving and serving alongside other women, you make connections. It, it's awesome. Yeah. And and so what would, what would y'all guys say to another mother or just a lady um, in your season of life who feels alone and isolated? What would y'all guys say? It's a season. It's not forever. I know my kids come with a lot of accessories and high need for supervision. And so sometimes I don't feel like I can be as involved as I would like or get places that I want to be or uh, even have conversations that I wish I could have. And I have to pull back and remember this is a season and, and my kids 
they need a lot of me right now, and that's okay. And that's part of training them um, for the next season when maybe we can all be involved together. I would say it, it, it gets better. It really does. Um, gosh, just ask my mom. We did not have the best relationship growing up, but we're good now, so it, it does get better. Well, I think for women my age, because we are empty nesters and our kids no longer need us to the same degree, you know, they did before. So reaching out to others and serving again, you know, there's that connection and feeling needed, feeling uh, appreciated. So serving, you can't get away from that. Yeah, I was, I was reading, they did a survey of a thousand congregations in the U.S. And they said that serving was the most catalytic uh, catalytic thing for someone's spiritual growth. Um, and, it, you know, reading scripture is the most powerful thing that you can do as part of your spiritual journey, but serving is the thing that spurs you to take the next step more than anything else. Exactly. And I, also, it makes friendships. You know, it's when you work beside someone, um, you have a connection, and that can grow both spiritually and just mm. as friendships. We, I've developed... With friendships with people I never otherwise would have even known. So, yeah. yeah. Stuff. So what excites you and brings you joy during this season that you're in? What brings me joy is, is actually going home because my kids are still at this stage where they squeal with delight when I come home. And so it's good to miss them and it's good to come home to them. What excites me the most is hopefully being able to finish that adoption soon and call them forever ours. Um, what excites me most is I don't know what it is, but I know that God has something big planned, not only for me, my daughter, and my husband, but as a whole. So stay tuned. And I think basically the same for me, watching God work. It's so exciting. Everything from the colors of spring to the colors in fall and seeing him do unbelievable things among people and right here in our church, you know, over a year ago, no one would have ever dreamt this was going to happen, but God made it happen. So I just am like a little kid. I'm kind of excited to see what God's got planned next. So it's exciting. And, and, and here's a wild card question. I know. <laughs> um, just because that's how we do it here at Fellowship High Crest. That's just how we do it. And, um, and so, like, if, if I was a, just a person here, a male or female here, and I was trying to, how, like, how to get connected, what advice would you give me? One of the things that I've been thinking is, you know, sometimes we sit there and we're like, I feel alone and I feel lonely. But as much as you feel that, there's somebody out there who needs what you have to offer because you're uniquely gifted and your personality and your skills, somebody misses that and somebody needs that. And so uh, reach out somehow, um, fill out a connect card, go talk to somebody, find somebody because somebody needs you. If you're feeling lonely, somebody, somebody's lonely for you as well. I would probably say the same thing that there's always people in the hallway after church or before church, do not be afraid to step and go, I would really like to help in a certain area. How do I get connected? Who can I talk to? Um, we do have the board out there with open, I mean, things available. You can take one of those, but um, 
just speak up. We'll be glad to have everybody help, especially with hospitality. <laughs> <laughs> Always be closing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would agree with everybody, and I remember a sermon that uh, Jonathan said about getting into the community and getting yourself involved, you know, if you want to stay home and don't get involved, then that's where you're going to stay. I mean, if you want to connect with people, you've got to get yourself out there and be uncomfortable. Good stuff. Well, thank you, ladies, for your vulnerability, for your, your transparency and your willingness to share. Would everyone give them a hand clap. I need y'all back up here for just a second. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies, if you'll come back. No, you can leave the stools. We have a small token of appreciation that we would like to give you for coming up today. Here you go. You're welcome. Thank you. There you go. Thank you. All right. Everyone give them one more hand clap. If, if you would like to connect with any of them, they'll be at um, the women's ministry table out um, near Media One after service. And they'll have um, some of these pink cards, too, that you can fill out. We actually are doing a drawing. that uh, They have a drawing for a family pack of passes to the Children's Discovery Center. And so if you fill one of these out and get these in, there's going to be a drawing for that. So get connected on there. Um, if you're here today, I, I hope that you heard through the story of Hagar and Sarah and also through the three ladies that were on stage today, that relationship is the way out. It starts with a vertical, all right? If you're here today and, and, and you've heard that, it starts with a vertical. In spite of what you have experienced, God has offered and intends to remain faithful to relationship with you. You take them up on that offer by doing what we call stepping across the line of faith. You step across the line of faith by acknowledging that God is holy, and that because he is holy, that there has to be separation between him and anything that is not holy. But because Jesus came and bled and died for you, for me, for us, we can take advantage of this great offer that God has put in place. That offer is not based on your performance, but on the fact that Jesus is the Son of God and was raised from the dead. And if you believe that in your heart and profess that publicly, then you can enter into relationship with him. If you've never done that in a second, I'm going to pray no special words, no special order of words. It's a prayer of thanksgiving, giving you that opportunity to make good on that offer of relationship to thank God for that undeserved gift. And there's one more thing I want to share with you before I go to my seat. And it's this. As Hagar was in the desert, dying of thirst, God came to her and said, Indeed, I'm going to bless you, but it's going to be through the means of relationship. That same messy network of relationships that you are running from is the same one I'm going to bless you through. So if you want my blessings, go back and engage in relationship, even though 
is missing heart. In Sarah's story, it was the same. God said that the same messy marriage that has put you through hell is the one I'm going to use to alter the future of all mankind. I don't have a substitute for you. I have a plan for you, and it involves a whole bunch of messy people and that messy relationship that you're in. Why is that important? Here at Fellowship High Crest, we aren't perfect. We're messy, and your relationship with us would be messy. It is because both you and I are messy people. But we also believe that the only power that we have to change comes from the Spirit of God using the Word of God in the context of the community of God. We're not perfect, and doing life with us would be messy, and, but what we want is not something from you, but something for you. We want you to know that we are here, that you are not alone, that we are with you, and we look forward to the opportunity to help you find and follow Jesus Christ. If you need help connecting, stop by the women's table after service. Stop by the discipleship table that's right out on the other side of this wall. Or stop by the welcome center that's by the front door. And we would love to connect with you and help you take your next step with God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. For the beautiful story of the three ladies that that were up on stage today but for the awesome story of the sacrifice you made in sending your son to come and be our substitute, to love and to nurture us in the means of relationship that were all made possible by him living the life that we couldn't live, dying the death that we couldn't die, to pay the cost that we couldn't pay. Father, I ask if there's someone here today that that don't know you, that has not stepped over the line of faith, that today they would say, I'm putting all my trust in Christ, that today I'm putting all of my faith in Christ. It's no longer based on performance. I'm I'm not trying to earn my way back to you, God, but but today I see that Christ has paid it all, that, that, that he brought it in to my means of striving, that in him I can rest. In him, I know what it means to be loved, and therefore I can love others. In him, I have a connection with you. And Father, for those of us in the room that, are, that, that maybe have stepped across the line of faith, but we're living separate from the body of Christ, I pray today would be the day we take our step toward community that we would see that your spirit operates through your word in the context of your people. Father, cause us to see the joy and the bliss that exists in the messiness of relationships. We love you. We thank you. We honor you. In your darling son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.